Oh yeah, boys and girls, citizens of the world. This is Ethan from Real Life English, where every single week it is our mission to take you beyond the classroom to actually speak English confidently and naturally, to connect to the world, and to use your English as the doorway to living your biggest dreams. All right, Thiago, so I'm excited for this because I'm going to test some of your knowledge about rock music, some rock music Ooh. trivia from the 80s, of course, from your your golden era. <laughs> Sounds fun. Yeah, let's do it. I hope I don't embarrass myself, yeah. though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you will. So our producer, Chi, is going to be helping us a little bit with the game. But just to give you some instructions, I've chosen three clips and Chi is going to play a short clip and stop it. You need to continue singing the next lyric, just the end of the line or the next line, given the case. And I've chosen three. The first one, I believe, will be the easiest, and I believe the last one will be the hardest, but might depend on how big a fan you are of the different groups that I've chosen. Oh, my. I hope I can get it. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> it's all fun and games. And after this, I almost forgot, after continuing to sing the lyric, you should guess who's the artist and the name of the song. So we'll give you three points for each test. Ethan, that's such a hard game. Wow. I got to <laughs> sing and guess the artist and the year. Wow. Okay. <laughs> no, not the year. Just the artist and the song. Okay. Okay. All right. So you can get three points. We'll see if you can get uh, all nine points. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's do it. Welcome to the jungle. We got fun and games. We got everything you want. We... I don't even know the names. You know that. People that can find whatever you may need. <laughs> if you got the money, honey, we got your disease. Okay. <laughs> Told you the first one be easy for you. Guns and Roses, welcome to the jungle. There you go. <laughs> what do you think he means by honey, we know the names? Uh, if we got the money, honey. Is that it? The line? If we got the money, honey. We got everything you want. Honey, we know the names. I imagine, might be drugs, maybe. You know, uh, I think oh. uh, Axl Rose wrote that song when he arrived in L.A. to pursue his career in mm. music. And then he refers to, I guess, L.A. as the jungle. Welcome to the jungle. So I guess we know the name is maybe people who could hook you up with drugs or parties. Ah, or your drug connection. Connections. Yeah. I imagine that that's what he meant. For people living in that world. That makes sense. Go. The rock and 80s. <laughs> so I think you got a bonus point there for the extra piece of information. <laughs> but let's roll into the next one. Let's right. see how you fare. All right. A singer in a smoky room. A smell of wine. Smell of wine and cheap perfume. I know the song, but I forgot I forgot the lyrics <laughs> that continue. But this is Journey. <laughs> Don't stop believing. <laughs> you got it. That one's a classic. So one of those ones that you play in an American bar and everyone starts singing along. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe Journey is the quintessential american rock band right i mean it's so yes loved by americans i would say that would be fair yeah. to say all right so so far so good you've gotten so far so maybe good six or seven points depending and i can also give you the lead singer's name there it's steve perry steve perry nice yeah and the guitar player is neon neon sean so yeah. give you eight points eight out of six <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's see how you do with the next one i think this is a bit trickier I said, do you speak of my love? 
<laughs> I don't know the lyrics, so that's minus one point there. I know the song, <laughs> and uh, the name of the band is right up there. Oh, man. Wait a second. Wait a second. Uh, you know, I used to listen to that song a lot when I uh, would go to the beach with my parents. As we were going down the hill, driving down the hill, that song would always play. It's mm -hmm. such, it has this beach vibe, <laughs> vacation vibe. It does. Oh, man. What's it called? Ah, yeah. So I'm how about gonna... the, the last word in the name of the band is work? Man at work. That's the band. That's right? it. Could mm -hmm. you give me a tip? Which a is, yeah, in the States, you'd see that sign in front of a construction site. It's men at work. Maybe they don't use mm. that anymore for equality because it's not just men mm -hmm. doing construction. Mm -hmm. Could you give me a hint about the name of the song also? Yeah, it's, well, if, maybe you remember the the main lyric, the chorus of the song is, I come from a land. Oh, man. Yeah, man. I've They're Australian it. band. So what what is Australia usually referred to as? Aussies. No? Aussie? Can That's one of them, yeah. That's the, the land down under. Ah, down under, right? I come from a land down under. So down yep. under is the name you of the song, it. isn't it? Okay. That's it. All right. Men at work down under. All right. Yeah, that one was mm -hmm. a little bit trickier. And the, con the continuation, it's a really difficult one because it's super cultural for Australia, is I said, do you speak my language? He just smiled and gave me a Vegemite sandwich. <laughs> Vegemite is a... Super Aussie thing. It's a black, thick spread that they put on toast that's made from yeast, I believe, that anyone who's not Australian typically finds it disgusting. I see. Interesting. All right. I love Vegemite, though. Vegemite, a nice piece of toast with Vegemite and Swiss cheese. Uh-huh. All right. I would be curious to try that. Yeah. Got to give it a go. All right. All right. So I think you got somewhere... The last one, you didn't fare so well, but I think with the other ones, the bonus points, you got maybe eight out of nine. That's definitely a passing grade. Passing grade. Thank you, teacher. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Ethan, what does it mean in this context? Uh, you didn't fare so well, or let's see how you fare with the game. Because mm, I said that earlier, right? You did, yeah. Let's see how you fare. Let's see how you do. You mm -hmm. didn't fare so well. You didn't do so well. Awesome. It's the yeah. same thing. That was a fun mm -hmm. game. All right, so you're all warmed up. We're all ready to get into today's main topic. So the phrase, what's up, is heard everywhere, and natives use it all the time. But I found that most English learners respond to this question wrong when someone asks it to them. So in today's lesson, we're going to help you to nail the right response next time someone asks you this question so you can speak confidently and sound more natural. Ethan, I have a couple of questions about this topic to ask you because I think it would be valuable uh, for me and for our followers here to get your perspective as a native speaker, as an American. The first question is this phrase or this question, what's up? How informal would you say that is? I believe it always depends because you can be in all sorts of different situations, work situations. And I think over time, as a culture, we're becoming more and more informal in our speaking. So that might be a parenthesis. I know some English learners come from places where, for example, you still have even a formal conjugation. Like Portuguese has this, right? Even though in Brazil, it's not so common nowadays. Spanish has this. Uh, in some places, it's, it's more common than others. So that's a cultural note. But 
even that said, if you are in a formal situation, I would probably avoid this. So if you're at work until you get a feel for the people you work with and how they speak, I would probably go with a more standard, how are you? Or if you're talking to your partner's grandmother, this might also not be the word that you should choose until you've seen if she speaks more in that informal sort of way. But if you're speaking with friends, if you're speaking with even colleagues, peers of your own age, you're going to hear this all the time. So it's very appropriate and it can even help you to fit in a little bit more culturally speaking. Nice. Yeah, this talk about being culturally aware of the place you're in and the people you're talking to. That reminds me of a of something that happened to me a long time ago. Uh, I was 21. I was working at this language school. It was actually the very first job I got as an English teacher. And I had been working at that school for a couple of years already, so I was pretty comfortable with the, the place and the people. And then there was this American teacher who was new at the school. He had just started working there. And one day... Uh, he was at the reception and I walked in, I arrived and then I started kissing everybody. You know, I started kissing the, <laughs> the receptionists, the, you know, some female teachers that were On the there. cheek, right? On the cheek. Yeah. <laughs> On the cheek guys. Okay. On the cheek. Uh, because here in Brazil, it's common for us to greet people, uh, of the opposite sex, usually with a kiss on the cheek. It's kind of, uh, cultural. And this American teacher later, he came up to me and he said, man, that's so weird. And then I said, what? And then he said, you started kissing everybody in the workplace. We never do that in the U.S. <laughs> and then he went on to explain to me that in the U.S. it's a handshake and you usually kiss mm -hmm. people who are close to you, like friends and family. So, yeah, it, yeah. it is important so to be aware of that. Uh, what you said is really true. We might say that's a, a faux pas Ooh. in the U.S., kissing someone on the cheek. It sounds French to me. It's from French. It means literally something that you don't do. And that's what it is. It's something that's taboo. It's something that is frowned upon in certain circles. There you go. So I like what you said about feeling the place out. What does it mean, by the way, to feel the place out before engaging in more informal uh, habits or greetings? Yeah. With cultures, it's such an important skill to build because things are always done differently. Filling out, for example... When I go to this new place, in this new country, do I see people kissing each other on the cheek? Do I see them shaking hands? Do I see them bowing to each other? What's the way that people do things here? So feeling it out is just observing, seeing what the vibe is in a place. Awesome. Yeah, super important. All right, Ethan. So I have here a short list of possible responses that uh, we can use in English to this question, what's up? First of all, how would you explain the pronunciation of what's up, the native pronunciation? How, what are some ways to pronounce what's up? That's a tricky question because we have many different ways that we can say this if we're just casually speaking to our friends. So you could say what up. So that's removing the S at the end of what's and having the connected speech there with the American T. What up? Mm -hmm. What up, Thiago? What up, Ethan? Is that, is that okay? <laughs> to... That's perfect. Yeah? Throw it back at you? Okay. Mm-hmm. We might take off the first syllable and just connect the S to the up, almost the opposite of what we did in the first variant. So it's just sup, sup, Thiago. Man, this sounds so laxed, right? Like so laid back. <laughs> you don't even bother to pronounce the whole thing. It's like, sup, <laughs> yeah. sup, you know? <laughs> How you going? <laughs> uh, any other way we have to pronounce this question? Yeah, you could hear, maybe this is more common in the 2000s, but was up or was a, 
Oh, like The Office, right? <laughs> What's uh, is that from The Office? I think they have reminds me of a, a scene with that. It could be. It reminds me of a movie, Dude, Where's My Car? That I believe they there's a scene where they're saying this a lot. What's up? Maybe The Office is referring to that movie, maybe. Because I imagine that movie is older, right? I remember mm -hmm. uh, Michael Scott and Jim and Dwight going, What's up? You know? <laughs> All right, so let's jump into some possible responses here. And then, Ethan, tell me what you think. And also, I'd be curious to know if you see yourself using these responses, because there are many expressions here in Portuguese that native Brazilians use, but I personally, as a Brazilian, would never use them myself. So also, if you could share if you see yourself using it and when, that'd be cool. The first one is, not much, just chilling. How about you? Yeah, so I think the most important thing for us to note starting off here is that what's up is not the same as how are you, which is the mistake I would usually see learners making is they would respond the same. What's up? Fine. And you? Which is an incorrect response to what's up. What's up? We could translate more to being like, what's happening or what are you doing? Literally. So not much, I think is the most common response. It's when you're just getting on with a conversation, especially if it's someone who you're not particularly close with. It can just be the quickest response. Not much. What's up? Not much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what does it mean, just chilling? Oh, yeah. Just chilling is, I'm just hanging out. I'm just relaxing. Cool. Cool. Uh, look at this one. What's up? Just hanging. Just hanging. Just hanging. Just hanging, man. Like, just... Got no plans. Staying around, like, doing nothing yeah. like that. It comes from hanging out, which if you're hanging out, it's like you're passing an amount of time without doing anything in particular. So you can use hanging out for that you're laying on the sofa, not doing anything. You can use it for that you're at home doing some chores. You can use it for you're spending time with another person, even. Like I'm hanging out with Tiago. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Cool. Uh, what you said earlier about this question, meaning what's happening, what are you doing? Uh, we have some, you can be more specific also about things you're doing. For example, hey, just working on a few things. What about you? That'll be okay, right? Right. Yeah. What's up? I'm just just working on a few things. Mm -hmm. Just doing some chores around the house. Cool. What's a chore, by the way, around the house? A chore is a responsibility that you have around the house, which could be anything from washing the dishes, washing your clothes, cleaning, those sorts of things. Awesome. Uh, look at this one. Oh, you know, the usual. What about you? Anything exciting? Yeah. I think that that would be a perfect response. If you're saying the usual, that person probably knows you well because they, yeah, you're saying that you're not doing anything apart from what you would normally do. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if I know you really well, maybe I ask you what's up and you say the usual. I imagine you're probably home playing guitar, maybe playing some video games, maybe watching watching a Godfather movie, <laughs> binging on the, the entire series. For the hundredth time, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And you can also be specific, I imagine, right? By specifying the actual task you are doing. Like, oh, I'm cleaning the house. I'm driving the kids to school now. I'm driving home, right? Yeah. That's very common as well as just responding literally whatever the thing is that you're doing. So if I ask you, what's up? You'd be like, oh, just recording a podcast. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Cool. Uh, you can also use it to give a piece of news, right? Um, for example, you'll never believe what happened to Susan the other day. Yeah. So that, again, would probably be in a more close relationship, right? If I ask you what's up and you literally tell me that you have some piece of news, a piece of juicy gossip, maybe. <laughs> I love that collocation. 
a piece of juicy, juicy gossip. gossip. Yeah. <laughs> How would you define a juice a piece of juicy gossip? Why juicy? Juicy maybe it comes from like a juicy steak that typically will say this for something that is full of flavor. So we're using it figuratively to say this piece of gossip, like you're going to really want to chew on it. It's going to really fulfill you. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love that imagery. A mm-hmm. juicy piece of gossip, okay? Or a piece of juicy gossip. All right. Uh, another response could be, oh, I'm a bit down because I got let go today. Right. If you got let go, you got fired, right? So again, that would be a very intimate response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or my son hasn't been sleeping, so I'm pretty exhausted. Yeah. This is interesting because, like I said, it doesn't mean the same as how are you. So if I asked you, how are you, Chaga, you say, you know, I'm, I'm exhausted. My son didn't sleep at all last night, so he kept me up. Mm-hmm. And that would be a perfectly reasonable response. So I was saying that we don't use what's up the same way as how are you. But in this case, it's more like you're giving me a piece of information and then using it to explain that I might see that you're very tired, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm starting with what's up, with what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. My son exactly. hasn't been sleeping. And then the consequence is the tiredness, all right? And another That's piece it. of news. What's up? You'll never believe it. I got the promotion. <laughs> so again, that's great to celebrate something. What's up? What, what is there to celebrate in your life? Okay. All right. So we have already talked about using it, responding like not much, nothing's happening. To talk about what you're doing, literally. Also to give a piece of news, either good or bad. And we can also talk about plans, right? For example, what's up? Oh, I'm going to the movies later with Tom. Do you want to join us? I th- yeah, I think that's a great use of it, is that when you have, again, a friendly relationship with someone, it can be an invitation to talk about your plans, to invite the other person to join you. So we'll oftentimes use it, especially if, for example, you called me and you said, what's up? Because maybe you're calling me to see if I want to do something. So I let you in on what I'm planning to do later that day. So you can see if you want to join. That is a nice phrasal verb, isn't it? Uh, You let me in on Mm -hmm. what you're planning to do that day. What does it mean to let someone in in this case? Yeah, it'd be to let someone in on something. So if you're in on something, that means that you are aware, you're informed. Mm, you're giving me the update, right? About your day. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, there's one more here with a very nice expression. What's up? Actually, I'm about to grab a bite. When I come? Mm-hmm. So it's again, it's a nice invitation. But what does that mean that you're going to grab a bite? I'm going to have something to eat, maybe at a restaurant or at a bar. Mm-hmm. Want to join me? Some pão de queijo. Some pão de queijo here in Brazil, of course. <laughs> I, would, I would definitely go for one of those right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, awesome. So there you go, guys. I mean, we have some pretty nice responses you can use to sound natural and confident when responding to what up. And finally, Ethan, I have here when you are responding to something earlier or to ask why you're calling the person, maybe, or getting in touch with the mm-hmm. person. For example, hey, what's up? And then I can respond, oh, I was just calling to ask if you want to do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we would use it in that case if, say, you called me, and I'm not sure why you called me. So you say, if you said to me, hey, Ethan, you know, how's it going? I'd be like, good, what's up? So in that case, I'm not asking you, how are you? Or I'm not asking you what you're doing. (laughs) But it's more asking, why are you calling? What's the, what's the the meaning of this call? 
what's the meaning of this? Yeah, that sounds very serious, but it's in a light way still. But it's just to be like, what are you calling about? Yeah, but in a in a friendly way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another example. How dare you call here, sir? <laughs> How dare you call me now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have one more here that could be used uh, in this case. For example, the doctor called. He asked you to call him back. Yeah, that might be with your partner or something. If you called them mm. and they say, what's up? And it might be the reasons like the doctor called or or your mom called. She was wondering if you could call her back mm-hmm. just to give you a piece of information, right? Awesome. You know, one thing I'm noticing here, Ethan, as we are going over this list here is that it's really important for us to use our imagination to come up with possible scenarios and contexts for those phrases. So a tip for the learners here, the listeners, is that don't just focus on individual expressions or phrases, but imagine different scenarios that could happen to justify using those, right? Right. That's a really good point. And the tone can say a lot too, right? If I say, what's up? Or if I say, what's up? Uh-huh. It's, it's very, very different sort of thing. Like one, I'm like, you know, you're bothering me maybe. And what is this about? Let's get this done with quickly. The other one, just a friendly greeting. Mm-hmm. That's it. Amazing. I really enjoyed going over this list. I'm sure you've been learning many new words in this lesson, but let me ask a question. Do you think you'll be able to remember all of these new words a week from now? Maybe two weeks from now? Well, if you don't review these words again and again, you will likely forget them. This is really frustrating, isn't it? When you learn a new word or expression here with us, but then when you go out there in the real world and start talking to people, those words just don't come to you. You forget them. Well, there is a very powerful technique that you can implement called space repetition in order to prevent that from happening again. Space repetition is a learning technique that involves reviewing and revisiting information at increasing intervals over time. The basic idea is to expose yourself to the information you're trying to learn in a way that optimally reinforces your memory. This is an advanced technology that works with your brain's natural tendency for memorization using intelligent flashcards. As someone who works in English, I can't stress enough how important it is to have an ample vocabulary. And we have made it easy for you to incorporate space repetition in your learning with the Real Life English app. With the app, you can learn tons of words, phrasal verbs, and expressions with our advanced technology that helps you review the words you're trying to remember by presenting the new vocabulary to you at strategic times, so you can never forget the new words and expressions you're learning from this podcast ever again. Thousands of learners just like you already use the app to get confident, natural English. Wouldn't you also like to effortlessly use the right words and expressions when you need them? So if you want to go from feeling like a lost, insecure English learner to becoming a confident, natural English speaker who actually remembers the new words you learn, download the app today. Next up, we're going to be answering a burning question from one of our listeners. Have you been breaking down because of phrasal verbs? Do you want to break away from the feeling of frustration for not learning them and you want to sound natural in English? Well, today, one of our viewers sent us a burning question. Well, more like a cry for help, but we are here to help. So let's check it out. So, Tiago, what is today's burning question? 
it, I really enjoyed how the, the viewer left the comment here because it's just break down, please. Phrase of verb, break. It's almost like, please <laughs> help me understand this. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do just that. Short and sweet. So, Tiago, I thought it could be nice to start off just with some tips. I mean, you have such a beautiful mastery over phrasal verbs. You use them just as naturally as a native speaker would. So do you have any any recommendations for people who might be feeling panicky about this weird aspect of the English language? Thanks for the kind comment. Really appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I do have a couple of tips here, Buttering Ethan. You up. <laughs> and uh, I'm also curious to see what you think. I think the first tip I would give would be learn the phrasal verbs in context. Um, it's really important that you pay attention to the situation in which the phrasal verb is being used in, because some phrasal verbs, they have multiple meanings. Just to give an example, let's say the phrasal verb take off. If we are talking about the plane at the airport, the plane takes off, it lifts from the ground. But if you are talking about taking a shower and you take off your clothes, that means removing your clothes. Or if you are at a boring party, you tell your partner, hey, this party is really boring. Let's take off. Like, let's leave. You see, so the same phrasal verb here. can be used in different situations. So I would say learn the context in which the phrasal verb was used. What would you say about that? That's super important. Yeah. You know that if you ran out of milk, the milk didn't literally run out of the house, right? So instead of panicking when you hear that and trying to figure it out, just a lot of times looking at the context, you might already be able to decipher what that person meant. Mm -hmm. That is very true. Um, another tip I would give this viewer, Ethan, is uh, using that website, Youglish, youglish.com. It's an excellent website to learn phrasal verbs or any word in context. Could you explain to our viewers here how this website works very quickly? Youglish.com? Yeah, it's like a search engine for English learners that you just go in there, you can type in a word or a phrase, and it'll pop up with some clips of videos that are using that word or phrase in context. Yeah, so use that. It's an amazing website. And of course, I would say you can use an AI tool like ChatGPT or Bard That's from Google, right? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Ethan, what is the difference between maybe using a dictionary to look up the meaning of a phrasal verb versus using ChatGPT or Bard, an AI solution. Yeah, I use both. It's a really nice resource nowadays that we have these artificial intelligence tools to help us. For example, if I'm listening to a podcast in Portuguese and I hear them use a word I know, but it's in some sort of context that I'm not sure what they meant by it, I'll just jump into really quickly ChatGPT and I'll ask, what does this word mean in this context? And it gives me a great explanation of exactly what that means. So it's wonderful for that because it's so specific to the context, to the situation that you're in. But it's not foolproof. So if you're studying this word or phrase, you might want to look up an English dictionary and actually get the definition of it. And I believe there's some dictionaries that are specifically for phrasal verbs, or oftentimes if I search for break in the dictionary, usually if you scroll down, it'll list all the different phrasal verbs that exist with that along with their definition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, there are dictionaries. For example, you can have uh, phrasal verbs dictionary from Oxford, Cambridge, Longman. Uh, these are famous publishers. So if you go to Amazon, for example, you can find those if you want to buy them. Uh, okay. And I think 
the the last tip would be leave your English. Keep leaving your English by consuming a lot of media because the more media in English you consume, the more phrasal verbs you will see being used in various situations. Right. Yeah, it's exactly like I said. Like, I hear this all the time if I'm listening to a podcast or I'm watching a video and it's in the context. So that way you're really able to map out all the different uses because you were saying earlier about take off. You might be watching one series and they say something, like you said at a party, let's take off, let's get out of here. And you watch a movie where they're in a plane and they're about to take off or you're actually traveling yourself and you hear that. So it's really vital that you're exposing yourself to as much of the language as possible. Mm -hmm. Ethan, you said something nice there to map out the different meanings of the phrasal verb or context. What does it mean to map something out? Yeah, that's a phrasal verb, right? If we think about that literally, if you map out a territory, which we're not doing so much nowadays, but if you went to a new place and you tried to draw the lay of the land, you tried to draw, there's a river over here, there's a mountain over here and so on, you're mapping out that piece of land. But if we use it figuratively in this sense, we're doing a similar thing, but we're trying to get all the details really to get the context, the understanding of it in a deeper way and to document that somehow. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. And Ethan, I think since this viewer asked for phrasal verbs with break, we could also uh, talk about maybe seven common phrasal verbs with break that mm -hmm. you can use. Lucky number seven. Lucky number seven. Yeah, I, li I like that number. <laughs> it's my number. Yeah, number seven. But Ethan, <laughs> let's make a game out of it. Okay, so here's how it's going to work. I have here seven phrasal verbs with break, and I have sentences with each one. Okay. I'm going to read this sentence, but I'm not going to read the phrasal verb with break. I'm going to go blah, blah, blah. So blah, blah, blah is supposed to be a phrasal verb with break. So I would like you to try to guess which phrasal verb with break you could use in that sentence based on the context. All right? Tricky. Yeah. So let's try right, it. I'm ready for it. <laughs> the, the first one is my car, blah, 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 right in the middle of the road. I'm going to guess it's broke down right in the middle of the road. Yeah, that's it. That's correct. So <laughs> this is one effect. meaning, which means that when something breaks down, it malfunctions or it stops working. All right? Very nice. Number two, the thieves blah, blah, blah through the back door and stole the jewelry. They broke in through the back door. Awesome. It's easy. You are native, man. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should be testing you. <laughs> right? Yeah. But that's it. amazing. Uh, when you break in a place, you enter forcefully. You invade a place. All mm -hmm. right, guys. Ethan, the next one here. It could be confusing, right? Because you have the first one we talked about a car. So you could have your car break down, but you could also have your car broken into, which would be the second thing. So if it breaks down, it malfunctions. If it gets broken into, someone broke the window maybe because they saw your phone laying on the car seat, on the seat, and they, they took it. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how just by changing the preposition, the meaning changes entirely. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I have another one here, Ethan. I blah, blah, blah in a cold sweat when I realized I forgot the presentation slides. The thing is break out in a cold sweat, right? Uh-huh. And what does it mean in this case to break out in a cold sweat? It's interesting, too, because the cold sweat, a cold sweat is when usually it's related to nerves or anxiety, right? It's cold probably because you're not hot. It's not, you're not sweating because of exercise or temperature, but because of emotion. And 
we'll use this collocation of breakout in a cold sweat to mean that you're starting to sweat all of a sudden. I think mm. the out there is giving a sudden or unexpected sense to it. But you could say that a workout, that workout was so easy, I didn't even break a sweat. And in that case, we don't use the preposition. Nice. Awesome. Uh, one more I have here. After years of arguing, they finally decided to blah, blah, blah. Uh, they, they finally decided to break up. There you go. Yeah. Which means? That took me a minute. It means you decide to end a relationship. That's it. Yeah. Uh, would the opposite of break up be make up, Ethan? That's it. Yeah, yeah. Kiss and make up. That's a expression uh. that even we'll use it with in a figurative sense. But you might say if kids are arguing, two brothers, you say, I want you guys to kiss and make up. It's not literally asking them to kiss, but it's like, make your peace. Figure out whatever you need to do, but stop fighting. All right. Awesome. I have one here, Ethan, but I'm not quite sure about this one. So I'd like you to confirm, but try to get it right. Uh, the scientists finally blah, 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 and found a cure for the disease. Does it have a breakthrough or broke through? Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I have here, the scientists broke through, but I, I have heard to have a breakthrough. Yes. But is it possible to use it like that as a verb? You break through? For me, it sounds a bit strange. I would understand it, but I usually would use it, have a breakthrough, and use breakthrough as a noun. Right, right. So here, a better way would be the scientists finally had a breakthrough, right? Mm -hmm. And found a cure for the disease. Yeah, that, that was my, my questioning. So amazing. Um, all right. We can use that one in other ways that might help people to understand why we use it. So if it's a cloudy day, but all of a sudden the sun finally comes out and you're able to go out and enjoy your outdoor plans, we might say the sun finally broke through the clouds. Mm. So what I believe the meaning is here is that you're hitting a wall. We'll often say that, that you're hitting a wall when you're stuck with a problem and you just can't find the solution no matter how hard you you try, but then all of a sudden you break through. You break through that wall and you have an illumination, uh, eureka moment, mm -hmm. and the solution becomes clear. Awesome. Uh, two more I have here, Ethan. Can you blah, 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 a piece of that chocolate cake for me? Sorry, can you say that again? Can you blah, 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 a piece of that chocolate cake for me? Break off a piece yeah. of that chocolate cake? Yeah, huh. that's it. Now, is it common to say that? It, can you break off a piece of that chocolate cake for me? That isn't something I would use break off with. I might say break off. It's like it has to have this. If people are watching like this sort of action that if you're having a chocolate bar, you could break off a piece for me. But with a cake, it's like you're taking your piece of cake and you're grabbing it with your hands and breaking off a piece for me. And it would be a bit strange. You'd usually cut a piece of cake for me. Mm. But we'll use that with food, right? Break off a, a piece. Yeah, that movement you showed on camera is uh, is a good tip. Taking my hands and literally breaking something. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. awesome. And the last one I have here is, I decided to blah, blah, blah from my family and start my own business. Break away from my family? That's it. Awesome. Which in this case means? Venture out on your own, in a sense. Mm. Go and be independent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, separate yourself yeah, from maybe a group and you own your own, right? Yeah. Awesome. So That's there it. you go.
And you, dear listener or viewer, if you have a burning question in English you just can't break through and find the answer for, then you might want to leave us a comment down below letting us know, and we might just select it to be our next burning question we answer here on the show. So we're really looking forward to getting that. And if you're not on YouTube, you can also just shoot us an email at hello at reallifeglobal.com. All right, Chiago, it's time for what's new. So at the start of a new year, many of us are dieting or thinking about our diet, thinking about how to have a more healthy lifestyle. But you might actually consider including chocolate or not cutting that away from your normal diet. So Chiago, I saw an article recently that talks about how dark chocolate is found to reduce stress. So I thought we could read some small parts of this article and just have a little conversation about it. So do you want to do the honors of reading the headline? Sure. The headline goes, yes, dark chocolate can actually lower our stress levels. Here's why. Intriguing. Mm. So those of you who are working hard, a piece of dark chocolate might be just what you need. So I'll continue. Dark chocolate has been connected with some positive physical health benefits. This sweet treat has been linked with better cardiovascular health, for instance, thanks to the way it improves blood pressure and helps protect blood vessels. Have you heard about this before, Thiago, the health benefits of dark chocolate? I have, but I think it has to do with super high levels of cocoa, right? I'm talking about 80% or 90%, right? Mm-hmm. That nice, bitter dark chocolate, not like the... Hershey's bar would be the typical one in the States. I'm not sure if everyone gets that reference, but the one that just barely tastes like chocolate tastes more like milk or sugar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, let's keep it up here. So yet there is additional good news for chocolate lovers everywhere, as dark chocolate has also been found to help relieve stress. One of the ways eating chocolate works to lower our stress levels is by affecting our body's release of cortisol. So this is pretty interesting. So cortisol is the body's primary stress hormone. Among its many functions, it prepares your body to respond when faced with a stressful situation. Although this is good if your cortisol levels stay high due to chronic stress because it allows you to remain alert and energetic. Too much can actually harm your health. Fortunately, chocolate can come in and save the day and our taste buds. <laughs> nice. So I've been hearing a lot about cortisol on different podcasts because it is this thing that a lot of times it gets a bad rap, meaning that it has a bad reputation. But in some ways, it's a good thing. Like in the morning, our bodies have a natural cycle to release cortisol, which helps us to feel awake and alert. So without that, we'd feel sleepy all morning. And in fact, they even say, there's been studies done, that you shouldn't drink coffee right after waking up because it's a cortisol inhibitor. So it will hamper your body's natural release of cortisol and you won't have those natural benefits of alertness. So it's better to wait a couple hours and then have your first cup of coffee. Mm, interesting. Did you say hamper? It will hamper your cortisol yeah. release? Hamper is dampen. That's another way we could say it. So prevent. That would be an easier word. And a lot of us in our in the hustle and bustle of modern life, we're having constant cortisol release. So that's why it can be important to have things like exercise, for example, that help us to reduce these cortisol levels if we have high stress jobs or a high stress life. So why don't we 
read the last couple paragraphs? Sure. If you want to try dark chocolate as a stress reliever, the studies above use a daily dose of about 1.5 ounces, or 43 grams. Additionally, the higher the cocoa content, the better it is for your health. So aim for dark chocolate with 80% cocoa or higher. However, the more cocoa, the more bitter the chocolate. So try a few and see how high you can go without sacrificing taste. Oh, yeah. 43 grams is actually quite a bit. I was checking after reading this in my cabinet because I have a chocolate bar to see how much that is. And it's like half a chocolate bar. Oh, like the big one? Like a normal 100 gram. It's a 100 gram size chocolate bar. Yeah. So I wouldn't say it's a really big one, but it's a normal size. All right. So you could have half a chocolate bar per day to enjoy those benefits. But you might be shooting yourself in the foot if you're having one that's just packed with sugar because ultimately sugar is bad for you and it causes more more stress. It can be, it's something that's been noted to contribute to development of cancer, cancerous cells. So sugar is something that we shouldn't go overboard with in this case. But if you're having one of those high dark chocolates, and it's one of those things like coffee, if you start putting tons of sugar in your coffee over time, your taste buds will get used to it. With chocolate, it's the same thing that if you really like milk chocolate, but try to start going up to like 60% and then 70%, and then eventually you'll be able to eat 80% and just enjoying that bitter natural taste of the cocoa. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Ethan, I just want to ask a couple of questions here because uh, first of all, you said to shoot yourself in the foot. I love the visual (laughs) element to that expression. (laughs) What does it mean when somebody shoots themselves in the foot? Yeah, that's like you're... You're screwing yourself. You're taking an action that's just hurting yourself. I just imagine that the guy like looking very tough, you know, like, <laughs> oh, I have my gun here. Let me, you know, put it away. And then, oh, you know, shut myself in the foot. <laughs> yeah. A, there's an episode of The Office, I think, where Dwight almost does that. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> he accidentally fires a gun in the office. And one final question before we wrap this is you said to go overboard with something. We shouldn't go overboard with sugar. What does that mean? If you go overboard with something, you abuse it. You do it too much. So a little bit on the weekend, you might enjoy a piece of cake. You might enjoy a nice donut, a bowl of acai, but don't don't go overkill. Don't go overboard. All right. So next up, we mentioned The Office. We're going to be learning with another TV series. So let's check it out. Ah, yeah. So today we're going to be teaching you some great advanced words and expressions with one of Netflix's most popular TV series ever. So, Tiago, I'm really excited because I just saw an announcement. Probably by the time this podcast or this video is live, it will already be on Netflix. But it's a new series from the universe of Money Heist or La Casa del Papel for people who watched it in Spanish. All right, cool. You know, Ethan, to my shame, uh, I have to admit that I have never seen Money Heist. It seems to me that it's one of those shows that are super popular. Everybody Mm -hmm. has seen it and talks about it, but I haven't seen it. (laughs) I feel like you would really dig it. It'd be right up your alley. Yeah. All right. Uh, What is the the premise? Uh, Very briefly. Yeah. So this new series is Berlin, which is about one of the characters, and it's actually... It's a spin-off, obviously, because it's not a continuation of the original series. 
It's a prequel. In fact, it's supposed to come before, which sometimes is a bit weird because the actors have gotten older, but they're supposed to be younger, right? <laughs> the premise of Money Heist, it's in the name. It's a heist. And a heist is... There's like Ocean's Eleven is a famous one. It's basically where a bunch of people come together and come up with a plan to rob a bunch of money or something valuable. So the premise of this one is this brilliant guy called The Professor brings together a bunch of criminals to rob the, what would you call it? The treasury, maybe the place where they mint the currency for the country. So in this case, it happens in Spain. So it's where they mint the euros for for Spain and other European countries. Awesome. What does it mean to mint currency? If you mint a currency, you're creating it in a legal way. <laughs> like printing the bills, right? Like that? Exactly. Mm. So I grabbed a really iconic scene, and this is the English version, of course. So I thought we could check it out. Yeah, let's do it. And that's how I started calling myself Tokyo. The one looking at my ass is Berlin. A wanted man all over the world. 27 heists, jewelry stores, auction houses, and armored vehicles. His biggest score, the Champs-Élysées in Paris. 434 diamonds. He's like a shark in a swimming pool. You can swim with him, but you're always nervous. He was in charge of the heist. The one coughing is Moscow. The first thing he dug was a mine in Astorias. Later, he figured out that he'd make more money by digging upwards. Six fur shops, three watch shops, and the rural credit union of the villas. He's an expert with any industrial tool. The one behind Moscow is Denver, his son. Drugs, busted teeth, broken ribs. He's the king of bar fights. Pure, hot-blooded. A ticking time bomb, perfect for a heist. Rio, he's my weakness. He's the Mozart of computers. So a little bit of context here. This is a scene where we're introduced to all of the members of the heist. And the thing that they do is they have code names so that they're not using their actual names for anonymity. And the code names they use are cities. So this became very iconic that each of the characters is a little bit like the city that they have the code name of. Man, this just makes me so nostalgic. It makes me want to watch it again. Nice. How many seasons are there, the original Money Heist series? I believe five, if I'm not mistaken. And we can see Berlin, or Berlin, there is one of the first characters introduced. So he's who the new series will be about. And there's some really nice pronunciation here. So she says that he's a wanted man all over the world. So if people paid attention, if you viewers paid attention, he didn't say, sorry, she didn't say wanted which is how most of us would learn in school. But when we have this NT in many words, we'll drop the T and it becomes wanted, a wanted man. Mm -hmm. that, that line also reminds me of those old Western movies, cowboys and everything. Wanted. Yeah, if there is a criminal that the, the sheriff is looking for, he's a wanted man. That's a good point. <laughs> and they see him, they show each of the characters with the mugshot, right? That's what we call when they take those pictures in front of that diagram that has their height. Mm -hmm. It's usually uh, two photos, I guess, right? Of their face like this and also the profile, yeah? Exactly. She talks about his biggest score was the Chandelier, where he stole a bunch of diamonds. What does that mean, a score in this case? In this context here, I would imagine his biggest heist or 
his biggest experience robbing a bank. That was his score and being successful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why we say score, right? Yeah. And we use this as a verb too. Like I scored tickets for the concert this Saturday, meaning I got a hold of them, which doesn't mean I, in this context that I stole them. It just means I was able to successfully get a hold of them. Mm, nice. All right. So something interesting here, next she talks about Moscow, who was a miner, and he learned to dig upwards so he could break into places. What does that mean? Well, not even what does it mean, but why does she say he digs or he dug upwards instead of just saying he dug up? That is actually a question I wanted to ask you because uh, <laughs> <laughs> because upwards is in the in this upward direction, but in the context here, does it mean that usually the safes in banks, you have to dig upwards to get to them or anything like that? It'd be one way, right? Is to go underground and then dig up, uh, upwards. So it's exactly that. The words, it's for the direction. Upwards, downwards, forward, backward, so it's showing the the movement. And if we just say dig up, that's actually a phrasal verb, which means to take something out of the ground. Like if you dug up some treasure on the beach. Mm-hmm. All right. And then next she talks about Denver, who's a bit of a troublemaker. And she uses a lot of nice expressions with him. Busted teeth, pure hot-blooded, taking time bomb. Do you want to go through some of these, Tiago? Wow. Yeah, busted teeth is, you know... You, you don't have teeth, basically, or you have broken <laughs> teeth because I imagine he this guy yeah. gets into fights a lot. So maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't have all his teeth in place. <laughs> busted means broken, right? So you could say you have a busted watch, for example. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, that reminds me also when you catch somebody doing something wrong, mm. right? You can say busted. Can't busted. You? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I like this one, hot-blooded. He's a hot-blooded man. Um, I guess in this case, he's violent and aggressive. His blood is hot with anger and intensity, right? Yeah. And we'll use it more casually, too, just to say that someone, they wear their emotions on their sleeve, could be another way of saying it, that they are easily provoked. They're easily made angry. They're easily go to tears, even. They're, they're hot-blooded. They, they really feel their emotions. Nice. Uh, there are a couple of songs I remember with that expression, hot-blooded. Hot That's Foreigner, I believe. Yeah, classic rock band. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> how about Ticking Time Bomb? Yeah, this one, again, I love how visual uh, it sounds, and I can picture that in my mind. Imagine a bomb that is counting down before exploding, and the clock is ticking. Like that? So when you refer to a person as a ticking time bomb, that person could explode in anger and aggressiveness at any time. So you don't want to mess with that person because the person is very unstable emotionally. That's it. And she says perfect for a heist, but for me, that sounds like it could screw everything up. But people have to watch to see what happens if they haven't seen the series. All right. Do you want to keep watching? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. He's been coding since he was six and knows everything about alarms and electronics. As for everything else, it's as if he was born yesterday. And there you have the twins, Helsinki and Oslo. Even the most sophisticated plan needs soldiers. And what's better than two serves? 
Maybe they can think, but frankly, we'll never know. <laughs> Nairobi, a hardened optimist. She's been counterfeiting banknotes since she was 13. Now she's our quality control manager. She may be crazy, but she's a lot of fun. Realize that the news will be talking about us every day. And every family in this country will be wondering, what are they doing? What else will they be thinking? Those motherfuckers, I wish I had thought of that first. The professor. No criminal record, no registration. Hasn't renewed his ID since he was 19. For all intents and purposes, a ghost. All right, so she calls Rio. That's a nice, right? He has a Brazilian name. Uh, the, the Mozart of computers. So what does that mean if we say someone is the someone of something? Uh, I guess Mozart is from the composer, I imagine. And he was mm -hmm. considered to be a genius composer. So a prodigy, even. A prodigy. That's a young mm -hmm. person who is very good at something, right? Yeah, has like a natural God-given talent. Mm. Awesome. So he's the motor of computers. He's a computer genius, mm -hmm. even though he might be young. Right. You could say like someone is the Michael Jordan of slamming it on the guitar. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. You you pick somebody who is really accomplished in their field, and you use that person as the the grade of talent mm -hmm. to grade the talent. The paramour, the top of the top, mm, the paramour, creme de la creme. La creme de la creme. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we have some connected speech next. I love this that she says he's a genius with computers, but for everything else, it's as if he was born yesterday. There's a lot of connected speech there. So we have a lot of function words, these smaller words that are all being reduced and linking together. It's as if he was. So we have the S from it's connects onto as, it's as. Then the end of as connects onto if, as if, as if. The end of if connects onto he, ify, ify. And then the rest is pretty much stands alone. But was has that schwa sound, so it's also a reduced, a reduced word. So it's as if he was born yesterday. All those first words are linking together. It's as if he was born yesterday. This one I find particularly hard for me to pronounce, I would say. How would you say that normal speed? It's as if he was born yesterday. Okay. But I could say it with connected speech and still say it at normal speed. It's as if he was born yesterday. All right. So she calls the plan sophisticated. What does that mean if something's sophisticated? Something sophisticated is full of intricacies, minor details. It's not so easy to get right. It's complex. It's sophisticated. Mm -hmm. And she calls Nairobi a hardened optimist. Do you know what that means in the context? I haven't heard this collocation often, but like a hardened criminal? Yeah, I have heard a hardened criminal. That's an interesting one. Would it be, correct me if I'm wrong, but would it be a criminal who knows he's a criminal and shows no remorse whatsoever? Like that person is, you know, beyond repair, let's say? That could be the case. I think of it as someone who's, did some crime, went to prison, and the American prison system is infamous for making criminals worse than when they went in because they're just surrounded by other criminals who make them be hardened, make them 
embrace that criminality, embrace bad choices. So, but in a hardened optimist, it's like someone who's been forced in their life to become more and more optimistic. It's a, it's a yeah. bit of a strange expression. Yeah. Is it common to say this? A hardened optimist? No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. But I like the, I like the language there. Mm-hmm. And she's been counterfeiting banknotes. So we mentioned minting banknotes, minting money. What does it mean to counterfeit banknotes? To produce fake banknotes, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Banknotes being paper money, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Counterfeiting. Cool. And then she gets to the professor, the leader, and there's some really nice expressions here. So he hasn't renewed his ID. What is an ID in this case? It's your identification document that proves you are mm-hmm. a citizen of such or such country. He hasn't yeah. renewed his ID since he was 19. Interesting. And that's interesting because different countries have different name for this, right? ID. So in the States, we would call it an ID. And for all intents and purposes, a ghost. What does this expression mean? For all intents and purposes. You know, I have seen that line, that phrase a lot, and I understand what it means, but to put it into words, for all intents and purposes, would it be similar to as far as everybody's concerned? That's it. Yeah. That's kind of like the summary of information for, yeah, as far as we're concerned. That's mm-hmm. a great way of putting it. A ghost. Or as far as we can tell, right? Mm-hmm. All right. All right, Chiago, let's get into what we're digging. <laughs> so, Chiago, what I'm digging this week, we've been watching a really great series on Apple TV+. It's three seasons, and we're on the last season. So they're not making any more. And it's called Physical. Physical. Mm-hmm. It's like that. So it takes place in the 80s. It might be right up your alley. You know that song, Physical? Let's get physical. Is it uh, Olivia, Newton, Olivia Newton-John, I guess, right? It might be. I'm not so good. I think so. With yeah. the, the 80s trivia as you are. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe it comes from that. It's all about aerobics, which was a big craze in the 80s, right? And you can imagine, too, the get-up, the, the spandex leotard and the, the ankle warmers. <laughs> These are oh, all man. things that, that women wore working out. That's a very 80s look. Mm-hmm. You said something nice there, the craze. That was the craze in mm-hmm. the 80s. What does that mean? So it's something that everyone is doing. There's hype around it. It's popular. Mm, cool. So tell me more about the show. Yeah, so it follows a woman who's, she's very smart, very intelligent, but she's a housewife and she's also struggling from some negative self-talk, from some really toxic ways that she speaks to herself in her head, and also from some body image problems and from an eating disorder. So that's really at the core of it, which doesn't Sounds like not a very appealing series. I think if I just heard that, I wouldn't enjoy it. But what's interesting in the series is that she stumbles into an aerobics class. So I mentioned that, that that was the craze in the 80s. And she discovers it and she just, she's taken away by it. She just becomes so passionate about aerobics and she ends up just creating a whole life around this. So she goes from depending on her husband and she really becomes empowered as a woman 
So that's one part of it that I think is really interesting. And on the other side of it, she's becoming an entrepreneur. She's becoming successful, but she's got all these hurdles amongst which she has kind of these, these mental problems of how she speaks to herself and the eating disorders. So I highly recommend this one. It's, it's got a little bit of comedy. It's mostly a drama, but it's super entertaining and nice for some 80s nostalgia. Yeah, I was going to ask you that just to confirm. Does the story take place in the 80s? Yeah, in the early 80s. Oh, you know, I think that would be enough to get me interested in watching it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, sold. <laughs> I'm sold, yeah. Oh, it happens in the 80s. I want to watch it. I want to see it. But cool. Yeah, it seems interesting. Amazing. Yeah, so check it out on Apple TV+. And that said, if you are enjoying the podcast, as always, a free way that you can support us is by heading over to your favorite podcast platform, be that Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else where you can leave us a five-star review. And this really helps us because this lets the platforms know that it's a good show, so they'll tell more people about it. And if you are on YouTube, you can subscribe, hit the bell, and give the video a like, comment, all of these things. Again, that helps YouTube know that you want more content like this and it helps it get out to more people. So we super appreciate it. And that said, remember that no matter what divides us, that which unites us is far greater. One, two, three. Oh yeah. yeah. Hey again, I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. Don't be a stranger. You can find all the notes like vocabulary, links, and more for this lesson on our blog at reallifeglobal.com. And connect with us and on Instagram at reallife.english for even more fun English recommendations. Do you want to continue your learning and get confident, fluent English? Check out our YouTube channel, Learn English with TV series, where you can have fun learning to understand fast-speaking natives with your favorite movies, series, and more without getting lost, without missing the jokes, and without subtitles. Finally, if you are enjoying our podcast, then please assist us in helping more people go beyond the classroom and live their English. You can do this by sending a link to this podcast to a friend or by leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening. We might even shout you out on the podcast. Stay healthy and safe, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Aw, yeah.